Oh, God, I had something clever to say, or at oh, least did you? amusing to me, which, you know, same well, that thing, That is the maybe. criteria that you usually use, is Yeah, it? yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. the main thing. No one else laughs. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Right Dishonourable podcast, as truthful as resources permit. Jazza, we're, we're really taking this filing stuff late stuff seriously now. <laughs> we're supposed to have done a Centrist Dad, Dad's Award, the fourth one in the series, for the end of is it the fourth one? Oh my god, I'm so proud of us. It is the fourth one. Um, but it is late. Usually they come out at the end of December, and we're now at the start of January. When we're Have they not always this. been late? Have they not always come out in January? I feel like them coming out in December would be a break from tradition. I could In my head, they've always, they've never been actually released in the year that they review. I think they generally are. We're going to look this up. Really? Live. We're going to look oh, this up. No. Live. Well, we've set an unrealistic expectation there, listener. You should all know, really, to expect the least. Yeah, 28th of December 2022. That's when the last one. Oh, my one God. Came look out. at us. Yeah. I'm quite proud of us. Yeah. I mean, we, we've, oh, well. we've, we've let people down this year, though, or we last have. year, I suppose. Yeah. What, are the, what are the, the Centrist Dad Awards, Jimmy, for any of the non initiated? The Centrist Dad. Dad's such as Dad Awards, I should say, are actually our most popular episode. You are the centrist dad, <laughs> arguably in some ways. So when we started this, I was not. I'm, a... the, sa- I'm the centrist daddy. <laughs> Maybe you're the centrist and I'm the dad. That's that's how this works. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, I really enjoyed that. That's, oh, it's been worth talking to you. you know? <laughs> Thank you. It's been worth logging on just for that. Um, but we, you know, as, as Jazza would normally say, we meet up whenever the hell we want to. But once a year, we meet up to discuss the year that has just passed in largely British politics, although there, there can be some world news thrown in there as I'm well. I'm quite international this year in my nominations. I mean, you said to me that you only had one American story. There your... are other countries no, that, apart from America. You're, 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 not, you're not integrating at all into that country, Jazza. <laughs> I, uh, you've been there at least a year and clearly you're not bedding yeah, in properly. Be. Yeah, um, God save, um, God bless America. <laughs> you almost said God save the Queen. I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, further evidence. I would be concerned American. if I was your line manager listening to this podcast. I mean, <laughs> a- anyway, but, you know, also for the lack of integration being shown. Yeah, company apologies. <laughs> I guess you get a free pass as a Brit. Um, but we, we, we normally have five categories. I think we've always had five categories for the Centrist Dad Awards. A, a feature of these awards is that I never go back and actually listen to the previous ones. So I just, No, I also haven't. Although yeah. I was, we were looking at one of the categories is reasons to be cheerful. And um, I didn't pick a particular topic mm. because I'm pretty sure that I'd nominated that about two years in a row. And so I'm just not going to do it again. <laughs> yeah, we, we tend to rely on memory, which is scatty at the best of times. Oh, awful. Yeah, no, really bad. Um, so we have five topics here today. One of them is new, actually. Um, we've we've retired the Opportunist Award just because I didn't really like it. And uh, I think we've got two new topics, actually. We've also retired the Cancellation Award because I felt like we couldn't really agree parameters on that award. The most cancel-worthy person. Um, yeah, and I always kind of just wanted to give it to you. I think that's a bit unfair. I've I've toned down my cancellable comments somewhat. I mean, we we meet up less now, so there's, yeah, there's exactly. just less volume, less volume. is lower. Mm. <laughs> that's definitely a factor. So the 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 first of these awards, and we're gonna we'll run through what the awards are, and then we'll play some music, and then go into them one by one. But the first of these awards is the the Bantasaurus Rex Award. 
as Jazza mm. has been referring to it, which is the, oh, banter, banter, banter. the the funniest story of the year. I guess you could call it the Archbishop of Banterbury Award, if you want to go with that. <laughs> uh, why do I enjoy every single one of those? It just, <laughs> things I d- it just, for somebody who didn't go to uni, Jimmy, like your knowledge of these is strong. Well, I, I think it's more like rugby club energy than university mm. energy i appreciate there's some yeah. overlap and you there. famously play a load of rugby don't you i, I did but I, I went to private school mate you know that's uh, obligatory so yeah, mm-hmm. yeah i i've played you know despite being a uh what did that guy refer to me as a, a, a female head midgets or something like that <laughs> um, i'm paraphrasing but that was that was the gist of uh, a recent comment on a substack um, <laughs> Uh, I did. I did. I played rugby until the other boys got too big, and then I, I stopped because my shoulders started getting dislocated. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, it's usually a good time to stop. Um, anyway, so that that's the first category. The second category, new for this year, is what we're going to refer to as the Herpes Award for the Political Herpes. Political Herpes Awards. Yeah, people who just keep coming back. Yeah, keep mm-hmm. coming back. Um, you just can't get it out of the bloodstream. You know, you've got it for life. You and do you don't like it. You do sometimes forget that it exists, but then it swings back and slaps you in the face like a boomerang, and then you can't kiss anybody for a month. Yeah, uh, Jazz is speaking from bitter personal experience. Well, no, one hundred percent. I'm infected. Stay away. <laughs> I'm infected with political herpes. <laughs> um, we did have a caveat for political herpes. We weren't allowed to nominate Nigel Farage because that's too obvious. Yeah, I, I feel that's a general thing here. Is we are trying not to repeat ourselves, and it, it should be pertinent to this year specifically. And yeah. well, he came third, and I'm a celebrity. And yeah, then everybody kept yeah. on asking him if he's going to return to the Conservative Party. I think it would have been a legitimate nomination, um, but I'm I'm bored of him. Anyway, shall we move on so we don't actually talk about Nigel Farage? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've got some bad news that he may he may crop up in one of the other Jimmy uh, Nichols. Topics. <laughs> You may crop up. Um, okay, third category, and uh, things are going to get slightly more optimistic as we get towards the end of these, is uh, Jazza apparently really struggled with this. I don't know what this says about him, but the most honourable <laughs> award. I don't know what it says about me. It says well, something about the world that we live in. Okay, yeah, I, you're blaming the external world. I need you to focus on your inner Oh, shut presence. up. Well, I'm not paying you to be my therapist. <laughs> You need to be less buffeted by forces outside of your control. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's not, I'm going to be honest with you, quite slim pickings for that award mm-hmm. in terms of coming up with nominations. I'm really curious what you've come up with, actually. I, I think, I think mine is quite good and cerebral and interesting. And Okay. Oh. It's not something we've talked about. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, following that, this is, this is sort of the uh, the flagship award of the Right Dishonourable podcast, <laughs> the most dishonourable person. Uh, this is, I think a lot of people are going to be able to guess the sort of people we have in mind for this one uh, mm-hmm. ahead of time. So I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it too much, but um, yeah, there's plenty of candidates there were, for this, this, one. this was This was difficult to narrow it down. <laughs> like I was almost, do we just do a separate podcast of just the dishonourables and like the dishonourable mentions of the dis- most dishonourable award i think that would have been a good that's a spin-off that we could I think if, if we were more commercially minded we could hive that away into the, <laughs> the patreon more commercially minded if we were commercially minded in any way shape or form <laughs> please support us on patreon thank you yeah but because we're such generous guys and it you know this was supposed to come out roughly around christmas so it is the season mm-hmm. for generosity 
everyone's going to get that one for free and to round things off and Jazza hated me for, for coming up with this probably still hates me but it's the, a bit wet isn't it yeah but you know as, as I get older Jazza as I <sighs> are the, you going to be the sentimental one now yeah I, th- I think so I'm the one who's like nostalgic and like trying to be god what's happened to me New York's destroyed me as a human <laughs> Are you sure I'm not your therapist? Oh, this, we seem to have you're this chi- kind of... you, you're, you are cheaper. <laughs> the, the web hosting fees to keep this podcast going are cheaper than therapy. So, may as well continue. Thank you very much. Um, so, this award, um, I, I, I hope there's no copyright issues here, but we're going to run with it anyway, is the, uh, <laughs> Ed, is the Ed Miliband Reasons to be Cheerful Award, mm-hmm. named after the, the self-same podcast by former Labour leader, current something shadow secretary minister ed Miliband. i think in the environment is the environment at the moment i think he's been environment pretty consistency consistently under starman no uh secretary of state for climate change and net zero yeah that's pretty much environment and that yeah 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 so he has a podcast which is more optimistic than this one called reasons to be cheerful it's okay i mean I, i think in the pantheon of of politicians, of I say former politicians. He's a current one, but politicians who've segued into podcasts. I would say it's one of the weaker ones. I'm not hating, but I, I feel that's a fair summary. But we probably shouldn't be talking about other podcasts. We should be playing some music, talking about the Patreon accounts, and getting on mm-hmm. with the main part of this podcast. You ready, Jazza? Let's do it. I'm ready. Brup brup. Welcome to the short advertising break before we return to our main feature. If you made it this far, you're probably enjoying the Right Dishonorable podcast, but you could be enjoying it even more if you went over to our Patreon to access bonus segments. Every week, we talk about something that we've not talked about in the main episode, trashing such varied targets as Elon Musk, other people's podcasts, and vasectomies. To hear why Jazza wants me to get the snip, head over to patreon.com forward slash right dishonorable. And you can subscribe for as little as one American dollar per episode. That's patreon.com forward slash right dishonorable. Thanks, as always, to our existing patrons, Alice L., Andrew Kilpatrick, Archie, Kaz, David Preston, Gemma Cumming, Ilona Domkina, John O., Marlene, Matt, Michael Costa, Michael Markman, Nick Webb, RLW, Stacy, Tabitha Gross, Taha Khan, Theo, Ubel Noig, and Will. So in the introduction to this podcast, Jazza, you said that you didn't want to talk about Nigel Farage. Oh, God. Unfortunately, a Nigel Farage story is my nomination for the funniest story of the year. I guess, I guess we're, I guess we're, um, we're getting out of the way, aren't we? So um, <laughs> he's the, also, he is probably one of the most likely people in like British politics to use the word Bantosaurus unironically, I think. I can see him saying banter, but not really Bantosaurus. Bantosaurus. No, maybe not Bantosaurus. You are right. Um, maybe like his followers. Yeah, I, I think particularly some sort of young, semi-ironic UKIP supporters, I think definitely would say Bantosaurus. Yeah. Those young people in um, overly tailored suits that hang around <laughs> the Conservative Party conference every year. Definitely. Absolutely. Doing interviews with Owen Jones. 
So my pick for funniest story of the year related to Nigel Farage is actually the whole debanking or alleged debanking fiasco, <laughs> okay. Okay. which we we spoke about. Oh my god, I forgot that happened. <laughs> See, I actually thought, I thought this was one of the stories we covered this year that made the, the biggest impression of me. I, I think because I actually knew something about the background, although I oh god, and, I and, always forget how boring you are. <laughs> Yeah, I have had, I have had many many boring uh, jobs. It is true. Mm-hmm. Um, so for for anyone who, who doesn't really remember what happened, basically Nigel Farage had a bank account with Coots, which is a bank for famously the royal family, but other posh people. And you have bank- to have a million cash in the bank or something, something like that. Yeah, or you have to have some sort of you know equally valuable mortgage. Mm-hmm. Or, or something like that. you have to have a lot of money for it to be commercially viable for the for the bank mm-hmm. and it's owned by NatWest and his Nigel Farage's account was abruptly closed and he in in trying to find out why this had happened it emerged that there had been some political considerations as to the closing of his account I mean basically uh, Coots thought that he represented a reputational risk for them in some way I mean it, it's been kind of suggested that Coots, given the kind of clientele, probably has other much dodgier clients than Nigel Farage, who at the end of the day is just some guy who's said a bunch of offensive things, but hasn't, in, I suppose you could say he's caused Brexit, but um, mm-hmm. he's, he's not necessarily someone who's involved in like human rights violations, which, you know, maybe... I, know. I feel violated by him pretty pretty extensively to okay be honest. I okay think that there's debates to be had there there's okay some debates to be had there but given mm-hmm. given some of the people who um given some, some some of the people who do who are banked in london uh under you know various financial organizations not necessarily coots um i'm thinking of you know various shakes oligarchs you know mm-hmm. sh- sh- shady people I, I feel that nigel farage is quite small fry in terms of his uh, moral sure. infractions but um so basically, Nigel like initially came out. There was a BBC article which said actually it was just a commercial decision. There was no politics involved. Nigel Farage then managed to get hold of some sort of transparency reports, which revealed there were some politics involved. There was various probes and investigations from the financial authorities. One of the fallouts of this was that Alison Rose, who was the CEO of NatWest at the start mm-hmm. of the year, ended up having to resign. She was pushed out. And equally, Peter Flavel, the chief executive of Coots, also left. Um, and uh, I think the conclusion I came to, and I, I still kind of stand by, is that at the end of the day, it's kind of bad that Nigel Farage lost his account, but it, it was basically an inconvenience. He, he he managed to get another bank account relatively Yeah, he quickly. wasn't... Everybody kept on going around being caught saying um, how he was debanked. And then people were having very serious conversations about people's abilities to get a bank account in the United Kingdom um, and the barriers that existed there uh, and somehow conflating this story of of Nigel Farage being kicked out of a particular bank and into another one with people who um, cannot get a bank account because they don't have a fixed address, for example. Um, And he wasn't (laughs) debanked. He was just kicked out of a really posh bank and had to go to NatWest, which... If you're a millennial, you have that bank account. You have a bank account with NatWest, which is fine because everybody got it because it had the biggest overdraft in the late noughties. <laughs> I actually don't have a, an account with NatWest, but I kind of take your point. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's Monzo for me these days. Not that we need to compare bank accounts there. But uh, I, I think you're right. There, there are like important issues. I'm sorry, about... what was your, your sort code pin number, mother's maiden name? <laughs> there are important 
issues to be discussed around who has access to financial services. Nigel Farage is not really the kind of person that has a problem in that He's not respect. suffering, is he? He's not suffering. Uh, but by the end of the year, he'd made, I don't know if this was confirmed or just alleged, but it was reported he'd made £1.5 million pounds, uh, from appearing mm. on I'm a Celebrity. I think it was pounds, it might have been dollars. But he's doing okay mm. financially, so I, I wouldn't worry too much about him. But Yeah, and he's not being paid in cash. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I, I thought the story was just really funny. I particularly like how some <laughs> like some rich, well connected, uh, arguably over promoted people lost their jobs as a result of this. So part of the reason Alison Rose lost her job is that she spoke to a BBC journalist about it, which definitely is some sort of data breach. I would say certainly mm-hmm. a confidentiality breach. Really stupid, and um, the, the way it was handled. Uh, just by the leadership of, of Nat West and Coots was was pretty atrocious as well. So very deserved Sa- quasi sackings, I'm going to call them because you know, mm-hmm, I think they. Mm-hmm. But I think both people I've mentioned resigned rather than were pushed. But um, and at the end of the day, th- this is something I've struggled with with the centrist dad awards. It's hard to pick a story that is both funny and kind of victimless, or at least uh, only has deserving victims. And I feel the victims in this were deserving. Are so. deserving, but there was a victor in here who I think was undeserving. Nigel Farage. Yeah, I don't think that he... I don't think he should be debanked. <laughs> but I don't think he deserves nice things. He, he, he made great play of this story, and I, it kept him in the news for a good month. And I, I think the Conservative Party felt that they had to intervene effectively on his side and say, you know, this is outrageous, we're going to get somebody to look into this. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, I think in some ways he came out I mean, we're, we're pretty sceptical about about him and we're not alone in that respect, but I think in some ways he came out quite well out of this story, which is unusual for him. So, yes, that does that does mitigate against my nomination. Mm-hmm. But who have, you, who have you picked, Jazza? Excellent. So um, uh, I'm definitely winning this, just so you know. <laughs> and if anybody has forgotten the tone of the Centrist Ad Awards, um, I take this far too seriously. And I'm, I'm incredibly incompetitive and I will try and game this so that I win. Um, so my... Uh, Bantosaurus Award Funniest Story of the Year goes to George Santos <sighs> So good You're so good Such a good story Such a fun- <laughs> it's, It doesn't feel real The George Santos story is a story that feels like it, that ruins political satire that is putting people like Armando Iannucci out of work because political reality is so much more wild and unhinged than uh, anything that somebody could make up in a political drama. So for anybody who does not know, George Santos, also known as Katara Ravash, this will become relevant later, um, uh, was uh, a really, was a bellwether, a trailblazer politician. He was elected into the U.S., um, uh, 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 House of Representatives as a Republican, and he was the first openly LGBT member of a non um, LGBT member of the uh, House of Representatives of uh, who was a non-incumbent to be elected to the to the um, uh, to, to Congress. Um, so he. Uh, so wait, he's, he's he's really the first person who's run as an outsider and been elected as an LGBT person into Congress. He ran as a Republican. A Republican. Um, I see, he's gotcha. a, he was he yeah. was elected as a Republican. He was the first Republican um, to run and be elected 
as an out LGBT right, okay, person okay. for the first time. So there were people who um, were elected to the to Congress and then came out later. Mm. Um, but he was the first non-incumbent to be elected mm. and for people to know that he was a raving homosexual. But, um, but, but is he a raving homosexual, Jazza? He is. He's married. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, so he's, that, he's, so that, that much is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That much is true. It turns out nothing else about him is true. So on the campaign trail, he lied about stuff like saying that his mum was killed in 9-11. Like he said, my mum, we lost my mum in 9-11 or something along those lines. A lie. His mum was actually in Brazil on 9-11-2001. But in order to get elected in New York, where he was elected, um, you have to have a 9-11 story in some way, shape or form. Is she still alive? I think his mother is still alive, yeah. You'd be a bit miffed, wouldn't you? You're following your son's <laughs> political rise. And you're like, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> better, better keep quiet. Um, uh, he also um, uh, had very... Uh, uh, he claimed to be like a, a, a millionaire, was not a millionaire. He claimed to um, uh, uh, have a load of business dealings that weren't actually true. Um, uh, claims about his like um, uh, education, his employment history, the kind of um, uh, the property he had. Um, he lied about um, his ethnicity. Uh, uh, he uh, also was fiercely anti-drag. Uh, so 2023 has been like a big... There's been a big pushback against like trans rights and drag um, performers in the United States and across the world, but drag specifically in the US. And he was going around saying how children shouldn't be able to, uh, shouldn't interact with drag queens, despite the fact that he had a long and illustrious career in in Brazil as aforementioned Guitar of Ash. Um, he was, he has become um, just last month the first, the, the only the sixth member of Congress to ever be kicked out. Um, of the House of Representatives uh, uh, because of um, uh, stealing um, campaign money. So basically taking campaign money and using it himself. Um, So he was ejected by um, about 100 Republicans and um, all of the Democrats in the House. Uh, He, have you seen any, any interviews with him? I actually don't think I have. I've only read about this. Jimmy, it's so much better. You need to. This is your afternoon now. <laughs> this is the rest of your day. Um, he's a, he knows what he's doing. And there's part of me that adores the high camp delivery of absolutely everything that George Santos but does. When you say he knows what he's doing, what, what is he doing? He's getting fucking attention, baby. Is that it? It's just attention seeking. He's getting a butt ton of attention. He gets to be um, asked a lot of questions. He went on a, um, he did an interview with um, uh, like a uh, satirist in the US called Z-Way. Um, and he, they sat down together and he's there going like, I just love, he's getting big on TikTok. And it's like, I just love all of my Gen Z fans. And I just, ne- they just need to um, uh, slay the house boost down. And then Z was like, what does that mean? It's like, they're just going to slay the house boots down, mama. It's like, what are you, what are you saying? He's, un- he is absolutely unhinged. What is he saying? Do you know what that no- means? Nothing. <laughs> slay the house boots down. It's like a, it's a, it's a, like a drag nothingness. It's like a queer thing. And Gen oh, okay. Z love that shit. Okay. There's a load of like drag vernacular that Gen, Gen Z use, um, uh, that he's just kind of like doing. And it's, and it, there was a really telling part of the interview where Z-Way gets like this interview with George Santos where 
um, uh, a lot of people, um, he's like a very memeable, he's going to get a lot of clicks. And he was like, I'm just going to keep on getting attention because you all keep on asking me to come on TV and I'm going to keep on coming on TV and I'm only 35 and this isn't the end for me. I'm going to be coming. uh, This isn't the end for me. I'll be back. Essentially. (laughs) Back Um, doing what though? God knows. Who knows? There'll be a reality TV show. You know there will be. What, like uh, at home with the Santos, Santoses? I don't know how you pluralise that. Yes, yeah, Something yeah, like yeah that. exactly. The Santoses. Oh, Santoses, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it's such a good story. It's, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I actually did, while I was coming up with kind of my, my nominations, I, I did remember this story, and I, I think I briefly considered nominating it. I'm not really sure why I didn't, but it's, it, it's one of the great, it's definitely one of the greatest stories I could have said the year. I think it's one of the greatest stories since I've been interested in politics. It's just astounding. Um, so I, I, I'm going to have to concede this one. I, I think you do have the better banter story. Thank you so much. I know. Yeah, that's very good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very, very good. Okay, should we move on to political herpes? Yeah, so um, political herpes is, um, uh, as we said, you caught this unwittingly maybe in a in a fit of joy this that maybe the root of this individual it has some positiveness to it but then it's gotten sour it's blossomed into something unwanted a blemish on your life that keeps on at the least opportune moments coming back um all you want to do is get rid of it but unfortunately no you are going to have to live with this individual this political individual or concept or person or whatever for the rest of your life, you're you, never going to get rid of it. You've read a lot more into the title of this award than I have, to be oh, honest. Okay. okay, cool. But um, I like it. I, it's interesting. I, I, feel, yeah. I feel like there were a lot of um, potential shortlisters okay. here. And here, here's kind of like the little rundown of who I was considering. Farage was not allowed. <laughs> Farage was not allowed. How did, how did Farage cause you any joy initially? That's the question I'm asking. I think there was a time when he was so fringe it was almost funny that's true yeah i think that is fair um and then oh no um uh so some some people who i nearly nominated for this uh david cameron um uh actually every former prime minister like david cameron um boris johnson liz trust kept on fucking coming back go away liz (laughs) um (laughs) Dominic Cummings as well was somebody who I was thinking about, but I am going to nominate for the 2023 Herpes Award, the Sussexes. <laughs> You're referring to Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. I am referring to Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, and this is a personal vendetta. <laughs> when when that fucking book came out, spare every spare which came spare. out in January or February, I think. Yes, um, uh, his memoir great we were all chomping at the bit for it when that came out it was on the table of every single brunch spot in new york city which is where i live every american asked me what do you think (laughs) nothing i don't think anything about it i do not care i'm over it i do not want to think about these people anymore the fact that you are forcing me to have an opinion and have this visceral reaction of just i wanted to be indifferent i just want like you know they had like a terrible time with their family and they decided to become estranged. That's not the first time that that kind of shit has ever happened. I hope they're really happy in LA. Go away! 
You were paid a shit ton of money to make podcasts. Make some podcasts. You were paid a shit ton of money to make some documentaries. Do that. Just stop. Stop affronting yourself into my life and telling me about how this memoir, my God, I don't need to know that you had a sexual awakening. You had like a wank or something when you smelled your mum's perfume. I don't need to know that you lost your virginity to an old lady. I don't need to know the law. She was in her early 20s. An old, no, the, the, no, older, you, older. You um, uh, uh, what was it? I, he said, an older woman who like macho who liked macho horses and treated me like a young stallion. Older woman. I think he was seventeen. She was in her early twenties. They had sex behind a pub somewhere. Um, Gross. I, I didn't. Why do Why do I know that? Why do I know that about them? It is filling up space in my brain and my memory that i would really like to use for anything else anything else uh so d- I, I almost this is looking slightly ahead but i almost nominated spotify for the honorable award because they cancelled uh megan's <laughs> uh, i think i forget what the name is the megan's podcast because the content was one enough. episode no there was one episode of is it, uh, they they made an episode which was like some vague interviews with some you know some worthies but she had a whole interview series where she interviewed serena williams and other notable women um it, it wasn't it wasn't particularly <laughs> ah, good another she, notable woman podcast she's yeah i mean yeah basically that that was the pitch um mm. and uh, i listened to some of it because i i got i mean i got a commission out of uh, slagging off their podcast so i'm i'm delighted by that um got paid some money for that so that may be one reason why i've i've not decided to go in on them but um I sort of know what you mean. I, I think it's a decent nomination for herpes. They, they wanted for, to leave not... public life, apparently, then leave. I think that their difficulty, I'm not the first person to, to point this out, but their difficulty is that they don't really have any marketable skills now that Meghan Markle is not really acting. And, I mean, uh, Harry's retired from, uh, was, he, was he in the army? I know he was a helicopter pilot, but from whatever military branch he was in. And so the only thing they've really got is actually selling this story of rancor oh and the royal sure, family. Whatever, just go and do them. Everybody, everyone has had like a career midlife crisis during the pandemic. Most people just went and did a master's degree. Just do that. Most people. Jazz are being relatable as usual there. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so I actually... So how that. have you approached herpes? <laughs> I just I just went for the sort of general comeback story. Um, okay. One nomination that didn't quite make it that you've you've not mentioned is that this story emerged in the last week or so of 2023 that Dominic Cummings was approached by Rishi Sunak to yeah. com- come on board as an electoral advisor in much the same uh-huh. way that Boris Johnson approached Dominic Cummings, and uh, th- this fell through for various reasons. I think Rishi Sunak didn't like uh, the agenda of Dominic Cummings. So and also Rishi Sunak had said previously uh, that he would that Dominic Cummings would have nothing to do with uh, his government. Um, so I guess that was it. But I I've decided to nominate David Cameron actually for I I suppose basically the reasons you were thinking of him is in that mm-hmm. he would he'd got away he was Lord Cameron please Lord Cameron of, of Chipping Norton if we're going by those titles he'd he'd got away after the EU referendum. It's quite an abrupt departure, if you recall. And he'd mm-hmm. been writing his—he'd <laughs> been writing his memoirs in his shepherd's hut, and 
Apparently he was kind of bored. It was a ma- wasn't it a man hut? It was like a man hut at the bottom of his cave. At the bottom of his garden, wasn't it? <laughs> at the bottom of his cave. Yeah, it was basically a man cave, but it, it mm. was... Uh, he bought it. He bought what was marketed as a shepherd's hut. I don't know what really qualifies it at that, but uh, he'd... I think basically he was a bit of a loose end, and <laughs> apparently what happened is that Rishi Sunak was doing... Well, a he's re- been busy lobbying, hasn't he? He's been texting Rishi Sunak being like, hey, can you... Some favourable policies, maybe, for my for my buddy. Green so yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd be doing a bit of lobbying on the side, but uh, it should t- be really illegal. Oh yeah, I mean that, the sort of thing he did. Definitely, I don't think disclosure. I, I I do work for a uh, a trade association which does engage in lobbying. So um, or I do some work for them. I'm not yeah. fully how do you and and how do you sleep at night? Uh, very well, actually. Oh, um, nice <laughs> on a bed of money. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I think his. Uh, so apparently, what happened is Rishi Sunak. This was after he fired Suella Braverman. Decided to shuffle James Cleverly across to the Home Office. That's going. Poor really guy, well. by the way. Poor guy. Um, <laughs> he was having uh, a lovely time getting his air miles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's probably the most glamorous job in cabinets, being foreign secretary. And 100%. Apparently, apparently, Rishi Sunak approached William Hague first, and Hague was like, I'm, I'm, "My life is too good now. I just write history." Yeah, books. can you imagine David Cameron being getting sloppy seconds to William Hague? That's the ultimate diss. <laughs> well, I suppose David Cameron could at least think, "Well, I became prime minister, and William Hague didn't." So he he probably. I mean, David Cameron seems to have quite robust self esteem, is my impression. So I, I don't think it's going <laughs> to benefit him. He is an Oxford boy, after all. But anyway, David Cameron uh, came back into mainstream politics as foreign secretary, which nobody was expecting. Uh, it caught Kay Burley so off guard that she called him fat on television. David Cameron. Yeah, <laughs> he's put a bit away, hasn't he? Uh, I love that. I love Kay Burley. I think she'd be really great on a night out. I, I mean, I, I think quite infamously, she went on a night out during um, during one of the lockdowns. Oh yes. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure she'd be great. She's yeah. definitely up for it. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm picking David Cameron. I think what I'm going to say is while I while I do enjoy criticising Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, I I, I would I would contest how political the, the herpes is in that instance <laughs> given that you you've explicitly said this is political herpes and you've you've chosen a, a slightly apolitical story i would say i disagree he's literally he's literally one of the people in line for the throne okay yeah I, i'll let you have that um and he keeps on implicating the fucking royal family left right and center i guess he does but like as, as you said who, who really cares about prince harry anymore like at some point, they they are going to get bored with their own shtick and they're going to stop releasing memoirs and podcasts. Are they? And... I would I would argue David Cameron is just going to go away. Like after this, like when the Conservatives lose the election at whatever point it is this year, God, I hope they lose the election. Um, uh, David Cameron will go away back to his hut and start lobbying again. What? Well, that then he won't fully have gone away. As you say, he'll still be in the body politic, just lurking around the edges. Yeah, but I won't have to think about him. Whereas I keep on having to think about the fucking Sussexes. I think that's what it is. Like, that's why it's herpes. Like, David Cameron is like dormant herpes. I'm actually not thinking about him that much. But whenever I see the blemish of, like, just like the little crusty head of the Sussexes rear itself on my top lip, I'm just like, oh no, my day's ruined. I just, I don't think... 
I could give you <laughs> I don't think I could give you the Sussexes just because you personally are annoyed as an Englishman in New York being asked about it I think that's valid you think my point there was valid or you think it's valid you're annoyed I think that my gripe is valid <laughs> I, I don't understand. I think <laughs> you're going to have to give me this one, if only because we've got three topics left and we want to keep And it. I can't win. We, we need we, some suspense. Fine. We need some suspense. I, I think if only for, for reasons of structure, you're going to have to give me this one. Sure, okay. However I'll give you David Cameron. Uh, I'll give you David Cameron. Um, I don't know if we'll do a poll this year. I guess that's 1-1. One, one. I don't, don't know if we'll do a poll this year to reveal who wins, but I will remind you that we did a poll last year to, to get the, the public response to these nominations, and I, I think you'll find mm-hmm. our one, actually. I think that did sure. happen. Sure, but it was on your Twitter account. Well, uh, yes, but I also have better opinions. And somebody had got themselves banned from Twitter. I don't know if you recall that going down, but mm-hmm. uh, you can do um, it. I, it's now it's now rebranded. I'm boycotting it. I see. <laughs> yeah, that's cooler now. And it's X as well. You, you by could the way. do you could do a poll on Instagram if you want. If that if that'll make you happy. Oh, did I might do... actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you do do polls. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, there you go. This time you can do the poll of your account. We'll see how it goes. Okay. Uh, honorable. Uh, this was a very challenging award, I think. Just it cause... was the one that I spent the most time trying to figure out. Yeah, just, it's hard to find any positivity in the world right now, and people who are like doing nice things. Yeah, I mean, I think the trouble is that the, I'm sure there are various blogs you could go on, which will tell you about this. But, you know, various kind of graph goes up kind of blogs that says, you know, this this positive change is happening. And, it, you know, I don't think we should get too down about things and, you know, have been advances in medicine and technology and, and other things. But we, I wanted to pick something political and I wanted to pick something where I could point to a, a single person rather than the efforts of, you know, an industry or, you know, groups of researchers and so on. Um this is going to be contentious, Jazza, just to forewarn you. Oh, no. And embrace yourself. But I'm, I'm actually going to nominate, and I'm nominating this person for a very specific reason, not for their general conduct or past. Mm-hmm. I'm going to nominate Michael Gove. Is it because... Well, no, that happened... What's he done this year? So this year, he is actually... Interesting, interesting. He's, he's actually been trying to abolish leaseholds uh so there's there's this thing in the uk i i, I don't know if international listeners will have a, a God, similar this is thing. so boring and really on brand for you go ahead thank you oh um, yeah <laughs> i might actually just already give you this <laughs> this is so good so in the uk when you buy a house uh generally when you buy when you buy a house you'll buy what's known as a freehold which means that you get the land and the building it's all yours it's all good but often if you buy a flat I think always when you buy a flat, you'll get, um, well, you either get a share of freehold, which is a portion of what I just described for the house, or you'll get what's known as a leasehold, which means that you kind of own the inside of your bit of the building, but there is still a freeholder that owns the land and the outside of the building. And uh, Michael Gove has correctly, in my opinion, described this as a kind of feudal hangover, where um, if if you're a leaseholder with a freeholder, you don't get as much say in how the buildings run, and you also have to pay something called ground rent, usually, and other bills. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a totally parasitic system that's completely unreasonable, and it's ridiculous that the UK still has it. And um, 
as of as of talking on this podcast, Michael Gove is actually still trying to get a bill through Parliament to actually mm-hmm. mean that all new builds will will be banned from setting up leasehold systems that have well, to it's be good that he's, systems. It's good that he's got a lot of time to get that through, isn't it? Well, we can talk about the general election at some point. No, 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 no. no. If you no, want. No. Um, <laughs> I think it's fair to say, I mean, the, the Tories are the, you know, it's the party of landlords. Uh, in, in <laughs> literally. Very, well, quite, quite literally, a lot of Tory MPs are landlords. Um, MPs won't stop, isn't it? Yes. Isn't think, like a majority of them are landlords? It could be, although I, I think it is skewed towards the conservative side of things. And uh, I, be shocked. I've uh, without without boring listeners about the iniquities of the British housing market. Once again, I I, I think this is a good thing, and I, I think that you know, understandably, Michael Gove is a quite a con- controversial figure. But I think that he does actually have occasional good ideas, and I think he is actually sometimes on the right side of things, mm-hmm. and he's ideologically committed, and. If you if you read sort of even civil servants will will say this off the record obviously but uh, he he does garner some respect among civil servants for actually being able to play the the system properly and actually get stuff done. He is done. meant to be a good. He's meant to be good at his job. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, if you disagree with his objectives, then it's not necessarily a good thing. But given how many Tory cabinet ministers are not very good at their jobs, even in a straightforward practical sense, mm. I, I think there's something to be said for that. So. Yeah, that's my case for Michael Gove. Interesting. I will argue... It, it, it's a fantastic nomination. Thank you. Very good. It's like super niche, um, uh, super dull, very on brand. <laughs> Thank um, you. Uh, I will say he's not achieved anything. He's it's, just it's, got it's the been intention. A lo- it's, been, it's been a low achievement year, Jazza. Uh-huh. Well, my nomination for the most honourable of the year is the people of ecuador okay i think the economist picked ecuador as their country of the year a few years back so hilarious so um the my reason is because in august um ecuador hosted a referendum on whether or not to um uh uh, continue with or start oil exploitation in the yasuni national park um and the uh, the Ecuadorian people uh, said that they would um, block any further exploration uh, by fifty four percent, with thirty seven percent saying that they didn't um, saying that they wanted exploration to go ahead. The Ecuador, so like this is uh, kind of like a really momentous thing of like um, uh, the choice being put in the hands of the people and the people choosing to keep oil in the ground in order to uh, preserve the natural environment, in order to combat climate change. And in a year of COP being a bit of a crock of shit, (laughs) um, uh, this was a really positive thing. Why I think it's particularly honourable is because they also <laughs> shot themselves in the foot. Um, so they were uh, so Ecuador had a um, a rating from one of the like ratings organisations um, uh, called uh, Fitch. Um, they used to have a rating of um, a B minus or something, and they were downgraded by Fitch um, from a B minus to a CCC plus. Okay. Um, <laughs> Which and they cited like there's a load of other things happening in Ecuador like there's a load of political um, instability and all of those kinds of things but they cited one of the reasons that they were downgrading um, uh, Ecuador's 
essentially credit rating. Um, it's actually called the long-term foreign currency issuer default rating. Rolls off the tongue. Um, they cited the fact that um, this referendum was going to happen and was likely to keep oil in the ground, which basically means that it's going to be much more exp- much more expensive for Ecuador to borrow uh, money in the future from like um, uh, international bodies and stuff like that. And so uh, this raises like a lot of questions around like, well, these um, uh, creditors um, and these credit raters, they they are they have a much more um, uh, kind of like short termist view on things. Like obviously there are positives in not exploiting um, uh, oil and gas reserves um, in terms of you know not boiling the planet, mm. uh, and they don't really take into the account the positives of the likes and the social impacts of those kinds of things in these credit ratings and credit scores um because why would they nobody's making them uh but the ecuadorian people despite this they were downgraded before the vote um despite the fact that they were downgraded before the vote the ecuadorian people said fuck you and still voted to keep that oil in the ground well, you've, already, and, if you've already been downgraded then yeah exactly yeah fuck it who cares? you've already taken the hit right so um if for that reason and because um I, I do still think that the the climate crisis is probably the thing that we need to talk more about, and it's quite difficult to, to cover it because sometimes literally everything is on fire. Mm. Um, uh, and so I'm that's my nomination for the uh, for the for the honourable award. How are you feeling about who should win this? Uh, it's definitely it? me because mine has had a consequence. <laughs> I kind and of... mine is like actually like they went you know what fuck this i that like uh, fuck you international like rating bodies we um are, we will do what we want and we're going to protect the planet despite what you want us to do okay I mean, this is devastating but i'm gonna, I, I guess i'm gonna have to yield this one to you i guess the climate yes. crisis is more important than whether i can afford a house fine i, I, I oh suppose. so you wanted to make it about you I thought that's I thought that's largely what this podcast was is various elaborate attempts for yeah one, see my one nomination of, for herpes actually yeah <laughs> I thought that's that's what the point of this was but uh, <laughs> that's fine so it's two it's Excellent. two two on to you so far mm-hmm. um, I think it's up to you to introduce the next one Jazza which is actually our flagship award ding 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 most desirable. oh. Yes, so the most dishonourable, um, obviously the name of this podcast, uh, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, because <laughs> actually a lot of people do not know where dishonourable comes from. So in the House of Commons, they call each other the right honourable member for Chipping Norton or whatever. And uh, we thought, well, we don't, <laughs> we're pretty dishonourable, ha ha ha. So we are the right dishonourable podcast somebody once asked me if we're a right-wing podcast because it's got right in it i i, I think i was i think i was in that conversation actually <laughs> it's very which i think is very funny um these are the centrist ad awards thank you very much yeah, we yeah. are com- completely non-committal and very sporadic in what we we support and believe well, well See, we're sort of dis- Brexit. disenchanted lib dems in in various ways <laughs> yes in our own um, special ways although i will say i have 
maybe an honourable mention for most honourable is Ed Davey continuing with the props. I think it's been like really <laughs> top tier. Um, smashing the blue wall, um, uh, an eviction notice for Rishi Sunak, all of it top tier stuff. Really I, good I, job. I, Keep going, Ed Davey. I think technically the eviction notice was this year? As yes. In 2024. So, oh, it was it just happened, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just happened. But yeah, I, I, I also enjoyed that. He, he drove a removal van or a I suppose removal vans tend not to have adverts on the side, but he, you know, what are those, what are those vans mm-hmm. with adverts? It yeah, it was fine. a little bit confused. It was like a cross between a U-Haul and the Theresa May Go Home vans. Yes, it was um, similar to the Theresa May Go Home vans. <laughs> That's true. So, um, uh, uh, an honourable mention for um, uh, most dishonourable. I think uh, we can... I have to mention the state of Israel. <laughs> I think they're probably... Um, uh, just the number of, of um, children killed. Not cool. Well, this is this is going to play havoc with our advertisers. I, I think we are. Podcast <laughs> yes, however, is going to be bankrupt. We? However, will we? Um, uh, but um, I've decided um, to continue with the green theme. I'm putting in Rishi Sunak, and there are many. I'm, I hear you ask, but there are so many reasons why you might put put Rishi Sunak in, and I am going to put Sunak in because um, he managed. Well, not he. They managed to win the um, uh, Uxbridge by-election by saying that they weren't going to um, support the expansion of the ultra-low emission zone, which would have um, made some people have to like upgrade their cars or change their cars. Um, uh, and despite this, and this was a by-election that actually the person elected would have had absolutely no power yeah, in expanding yeah. <laughs> or not the 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 ULES zone. Um, uh, so they took that and then somehow it became uh, a uh, something that conservative noticed that, oh, maybe we can be anti-green and that will be a great wedge to, to, to put into the electorate. And it is the, we had a, such a long time of like consensus of both conservative and labor supporting green initiatives there was very little controversy in how to approach getting to net zero um and then sunak ripped up a butt ton of stuff or at least sounded like he wanted to rip up a butt ton of stuff for, for what it's worth you you les I, th- I think the rest of the stuff you know largely criticized by slightly fringe figures let's say but the, the ULES was legitimately kind of controversial it did bring out a lot of protesters because people with non-compliant cars uh were going to were going to be having having to pay is it like 12 quid a day or something like that to drive yeah, their they, cars they, there, was also a fu- there was also a fund to to upgrade your car to oh to yeah I, mean, I, I think it's I, I think this is one of my one of my big rants of the year was uh <laughs> It's just slagging off those people, but they exist. I, I I don't think you should. I don't think you should claim that the Tories are completely, you know, creating this out of thin air. There are people who legitimately hate net zero policies for mm-hmm. for reasons I find a bit peculiar. But maybe we should get somebody on who actually thinks like that. Maybe it's a particular blind spot oh, of ours. God, I'm not going to enjoy that. It's all, all right. I probably won't have the energy to arrange it so uh, just but let it be known that we are open to it conceptually Good. if not in reality um and so there were a number uh, so for example like there was um a commitment to continue to drill at uh rosebank um and um uh, offering offshore 
petrol licensing, um, uh, pushing back net zero obligations by five years, um, uh, and just the fact that this has now become like a political issue that seems to be fair game, I think that is particularly dishonorable. Um, because, and if this were, there were an opportunist award, maybe he would be better suited for that. But this, it, that's why I'm putting Sunak in because of his decision to, in desperation, politicize green issues. So this is a little awkward because Rishi Sunak was also my top nomination for this award. <laughs> so. Interesting, interesting, but for a different reason. The green, the anti-green stuff was part of my reasoning, but it, it was more an all-in-one package. I think he's been, admittedly, you know, I would say dealt a bad hand, but to be fair, he picked up a bad hand willingly, knowing what the cards were. So yeah. it's it's all kind of on him. Um, the anti-green stuff, I would, I would, I would highlight. I'd agree with everything he said there, basically. And I would also say his kind of posturing as a change candidate. At the hilarious, at the so end, funny. You know, the end of very, very what is now fourteen years of Conservative government, at least several years of which he was uh, he was Chancellor, and then previously he was also a government minister doing something else. I can't remember what exactly, but uh, you know his uh, <laughs> the the blood in some instances quite literally is on his hands for a lot of the stuff that's gone wrong in the UK mm-hmm. um, over the past five or six years at least, and. Yeah, I, I, I just think he's it, it very much. I appreciate that I'm slightly buying into this, uh, you know, Labour narrative of uh, you know zombie government, and you know he's just he's just clinging on. He's not really there to do anything. But it it doesn't feel like Sunak. Like, what is the point of Rishi Sunak being prime minister? I'm not really clear. Like, I, I, was, I was, I was. Excuse me, Mister Sunak. What is the point in you? That's a that's a reasonable question, right? Like, what what mm-hmm. what are you here to do? And I I was pleased when he took over from Liz Truss because Truss did have a clear agenda, and I, I disagreed with it. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, she, and people are now like, oh, remember when government stood for something? Those forty days in autumn, twenty twenty two. Yeah, obviously, standing. You know, there is a case for a. You know, you could argue that. I mean, David Cameron's government was the austerity government. That was kind of their singular policy. But to some degree, David Cameron represented this kind of slightly managerial view of politics. That I'm, I'm just there to sort of steer the ship. But he wasn't heavily ideological in the way that some politicians are. So it, it's not that that's totally illegitimate as a, as a thing. It's just that, yeah, I, I can't really see the point in Sudak. He just seems to be clinging on. I, I'm not even particularly convinced he wants the job at this stage i mean he's obviously well he wants to be a podcast host because he hosted that podcast with <laughs> elon musk doesn't everyone these days after you know seeing the roaring success of the right dishonorable podcast <laughs> every, everyone wants a piece of that <laughs> of that lifestyle hey we may but no, may not be that successful but we are persistent <laughs> <laughs> sort of like the herpes of a political podcast. We're we the you know, we, we, we are at, the her- other podcasts have been have come and gone, and many of them have come and been more successful than us and gone, and yet we're still we're here. Still here. <laughs> uh, thematically, this all works. It all, it all wraps together. I love this. Um, and I mean, also, yeah, I suppose you could point to minor things like inflation has come down. It's kind of debatable. You know, Rishi Sunak. It's not debatable. They d- that has nothing to do with them. I don't. I don't think it has lit- the Bank of India is literally 
It's literally independent. Well, I, I wouldn't say it's 100% independent. There are things government can do that affect in inflation. But yeah, I, I think What's it's, he done that's affected inflation? I, I'm not going to name anything. This is purely a, a theoretical claim. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, so it's sported. Great, we've, <laughs> we've reducted to spurious claims that one would make down the pub. Excellent. Back on brand. Yes, I would say so. Um, Good. I just, yeah, I, I, think he's, I think he's just a bit useless. I'm not really having him. So, I, so I, you're I th- not going to vote for him... Um, with the working assumption that the election is going to happen in the second half of this year. Yeah, that was a very nothing statement as well. So this is this is Yeah, not but a... it didn't stop it being fucking on every news outlet for the whole day. Jesus Christ. So th- this is the before we move on. <laughs> I think I think we can agree Rishi Sunak wins the most desirable award given that we've both picked him. So um, that, but that, but that is both a, so it's now it's now what is it? 3 for me, 1 for you. What? So I have one. No, no. I, it, <laughs> if we both pick it, I have to get a point for this as well. Yeah. So we. So oh yeah. So yeah. So it's three two. Three two. It's three two. So three, I've, two. I have an opportunity to equalise at the end of this. Um, okay. And then what do we do? Go to penalty shootout. I, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, this is this is not our general news roundup. But uh, early in the first week of January, uh, Rishi Sunak did say that his working assumption was that there'd be an election in the second half of 2024 he very much like tried to just slip it into his answer to another question and then move on quickly it was Mm. it was kind of a weird because you know that's the main story this year from british politics point of view is when the general everyone's just gagging everyone's gagging for it everyone is just like can you please we're just let us vote you out (laughs) yeah well some people probably want to keep him in i suppose if you you look at the polls but um I, I would only end before we, we before we move on to cheerful things. I'd only end with I I considered. I thought you would pick as well, Suella Braverman, uh, the former Home Secretary. Who, I never want to think of her ever again. That's the only reason. But why. she's she's clearly behaved quite dishonourably. See previous episodes of the, yeah. of the podcast. Yeah, I. But I. Uh, yeah, but I I feel like she's playing to. She's. No, I don't think she's being authentic. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, I th- I should have nominated Suella Braverman. Do you think? You, you think? Yeah. You, on reflection. On reflection, shoulda, woulda, coulda. But I feel I feel pretty good about a, a tie on that one. Okay, that's. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that's appropriate. We're we're dovetailing on the most important award, so we can mm-hmm. we can take that. So is it? It's my turn to put the forward first, isn't it? Yeah. So, so this is the most cheerful. This is reasons, reasons to, to be, be cheerful, cheerful as as not sponsored by Ed Miliband, but inspired by Ed Miliband's no. podcast. His, I think that he in the rubric he is um, more successful than us as a podcaster, but worse than us <laughs> as a podcaster. I mean, I, I obviously they're all worse, right? We we have the best podcast about politics, obviously, yeah. social mm-hmm. issues, and current events. <laughs> Probably. That's as truthful as resources. A bit. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you don't, and download... hosted by someone called Jimmy and someone called Jazza. If, if if you don't download the rest is politics, then we are the best UK political podcast out there. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I shouldn't really. Um, I get distracted from the cheerful thing, but I was I was very heartened. This is a reason. To, this is not a, my nomination, but I was very heartened to see that. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. Was it Jeremy Hayward? I think. Uh, 
that some documents came out from the Blair government years when uh, I think it was I think it was Jeremy Hayward. It was a senior civil servant, basically said that Alistair Campbell had um, had created such a distrustful relationship with journalists that he should resign from his role as uh, government communications officer. And I really love that story because I think everyone knows that um, Alistair Campbell had a poisonous effect on political discourse while he was in office, but he's he's spent the past you know, couple of years just complaining about Boris Johnson being awful. Mm-hmm. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying Boris Johnson isn't awful and hasn't caused a lot of those problems. I'm just saying that Alistair Campbell's not the correct critic to keep jumping up and pointing that out. I'd probably agree. So that, that, that did cheer me up. The story I'm going to pick for this... Um, as a side mention, I enjoyed the the collapse of the SNP and the implications. <laughs> for... That's making you cheerful. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I loved it. I'm I not... feel kind of sorry for the implosion that's happening north of the border. No, and I, I feel a little bit it. sorry. It was, okay. it was great. It was it was beautiful. It it, <laughs> it cheered me up no end. And is all, all these financial investigations into SNP activities has has been the gift that's kept on giving this year, as yeah, far as I'm okay. concerned. But. I do feel there's a weightier nomination here, and that is the fact that Donald Trump has been barred from running in various Republican primaries in two uh-huh. states, one of which is Colorado. Uh, remind me, one of them is Colorado, the and what's the other Maine. one? I have Excellent. a feeling that Maine is... At, so I think Colorado's barred him from running the Republican primary. Maine has said he can't run to be president in the state at all, and... The reasoning... As How as... many electoral college votes does Maine have? Like four? Yeah, I, th- yeah, I, think, that's, uh, I think that's probably right. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think one of them... Which one is it? I was reading this earlier. One of them basically was gonna, is probably going to vote Democrat anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But the, the other one uh, is more competitive. And this case has just been referred to the Supreme Court in the US uh, to, to see if the states can ban Donald Trump from running to be president because mm-hmm. of some constitutional clause, which means that if you try and organise an insurrection against the uh, federal government, that you can't run to lead that government, yeah. which seems reasonable, I mm-hmm. uh, I would say. I think we have the same view that... that actually is that, bad. Well, yeah, we, we have that view. But I, I think we, we're not quite as not quite as hysterical about what happened in the US Capitol in January 2021 as some American commentators. I think that I, I think calling it an attempted coup is is lending it a a weight and gravity that it didn't really possess. But, uh, you know, I still think it's fair that uh, Donald Trump clearly had a role in encouraging people 100%, to, yeah. to, to behave in the way they did. And I, I think it's... I, you know, obviously, the rules are the rules. You can't enact rules retrospectively. And uh, I mean, the Supreme Court is heavily politicized, so it's going to be a bit of a shit show, that case. Anyway, but I, st- I, I still, this, all of the this and various other court cases against Donald Trump does give me hope that he won't win the US presidency in November this year when the election takes place. So that's my nomination for reasons to be cheerful. I don't think you're correct. I think that, well, the only places that he's going to get banned are places where he wasn't going to win anything in any way. Places like Colorado and Maine. Those are the only, like, local... And also, I... It's going to... All of these things are going to go to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, of which uh, there are six Republican-nominated justices, and three of which were nominated by Trump himself. 
they're not going to block him from being able to run. Maybe. I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't. I don't think this is. I don't think this is the route. I do think there is going to be, as we go into primary season, um, the Republicans, Republicans start voting. Um, I'm curious to, like, I don't think um, uh, Nikki Haley is on the rise. I don't think she's going to end up beating Trump. Um, but what is curious is uh, if Trump gets convicted, uh, there's one case in Georgia for where he was trying to commit um, voter fraud. And another one in New York that I can't remember specifically what that was for. What that one is for? <laughs> there's, 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 there's a lot. There's so, there's so many cases. There's got to there's be a, a Wikipedia lot. list of all the cases against Trump at the moment. Think about the great, mi- the waste of the great minds of the United States. The energy that is being expended on this fucking man. Think what <laughs> yeah. they could be doing instead. I, I mean, I, I think you could say that for the legal profession in general. <laughs> right. <laughs> <That point. laughs> Definitely, but not so, not, um, you know, not as bad as the financial um, industry, I guess. Yeah. Also, the the app development industry as well. There's a, there's a lot oh, of great minds going really, to waste in general. There's a really hilarious um, uh, ad going around the Acast podcasts at the moment. Hey, do you want to change the world and make it a better place? The answer may be surprising to you. Try finance, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> I mean, there's this that kind of what's the name, effective altruist movement that would say, well, if you go into finance and earn a buckload of money, then you can you can donate most of that money to good causes. And yeah, and as we know, Sam Bankman-Fried did a fantastic job of, of being the flagship enabler of that. I, th- I think this is this is a very cheap debating tactic you've deployed there, Jazza. But yeah, and we'll... it worked. So my reason. <laughs> To be cheerful is a bit of a weird one because I didn't really have any. And my I'm approaching it from a little bit of a left of field area. And I think it is it is the development of artificial intelligence technologies and generative AI. This is quite a brand for you, but let's go, let's go, let's do this. So, um what I find really annoying about this general story is that the media and a lot of big tech have gotten incredibly excited about the possibility that they're never going to have to commission an artist to ever do anything ever again. <laughs> um, and I do not think that there, that is where the positives are um, going to happen here. Uh, generative AI is not good at making art. It is not good at making things that speak to people. It's maybe going to give you a nice background for your uh, for your slide presentation deck. But it's not going to create um, artisanal, like, human-crafted artwork, be it digital or physical or anything along those lines. I mean, how, um, how bothered are people by that? Because I, 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 I get the gist of that argument, but I'm... Have you ever seen Exit Through the uh, Gift Shop, the, the Banksy documentary? I have, but I can't remember what happens in it. So the, the overarching story of that is that... Um, I can't remember the the name of the main subject but there's this artist who's involved in the same circles as Banksy roughly speaking who ends up creating these quite generic prints um that mm-hmm. he then he then goes on and sells in huge quantities because they are evocative of that particular artistic movement and he makes loads of money but it co- it causes backlash among his contemporaries but he yeah. he's kind of doing the AI thing before the invention of AI and that he's creating a kind of general he's product mm-hmm 
I mean, I guess you could argue how much it's copying, but he's creating, as a lot of businesses do, there's something successful. So you create a sort of general thing that you can sell en masse and that makes mm-hmm. you loads of money. But pe- but people people buy that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they actually, people do look at that and think, I mean, not your aficionados, I suppose, but, you know, most industries that involve some kind of artistic element, you've got mass selling generic products and then lesser selling specific products. Mm-hmm. So I... That's not the reason that I'm nominating AI. I'd quite like for... The whole point of AI is that it frees us up in order to be able to do more artistic endeavours rather than the other way around. Yeah. Um, What I'm excited about is AI's unparalleled ability to um, uh, consume and understand large uh, amounts of data that human beings are just never going to be able to do at the same rate or accuracy. Um, we already know that there are some um, uh, uh, AI models that are able to detect uh, cancerous cells in um, uh, lung screenings, for example. We already know that there are um, uh, ways for AI to be able to... Um, well, there are like programs that allow AI to uh, do your tax return. ChatGPT4 is really good at kind of like creating a draft email for you. I really do think this technology is going to be... Um, and already is being transformative in the way that human beings work in the same way that a word, the word processor or the spreadsheet did. I don't think it's going to... Uh, I don't think it's a, a great existential threat, and I'm kind of frustrated by the, the whole, oh, it's going to be like... Uh, what's it called? CloudNet? <laughs> and it's going to take over the world and destroy us? That isn't what most of these... Um, uh, uh, what they call... Um, uh, artificial intelligences and and um, uh, artificial general intelligences. That's not really what I'm I'm worried about. But I think, and it's not something that I am worried about. But I think that um, the the changes it's going to have on our day to day lives is going to be incredibly positive and free us up to maybe hopefully do things, more things that we would like to do, like create podcasts that compete with the right dishonourable. <laughs> and we need definitely need more podcasts in this world. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, I do like your pitch. I think it's good. Mm. Um, I mean, I would, I would agree with you that I don't think AI is going to destroy us, um, which I think is an easy prediction to make because if it does destroy us, I won't, you know, be around to be held accountable by anyone. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a very low risk from from that perspective. Um, It's okay, you concede it to me. I, I, I'm a draw tem- would be boring. I'm, tem- I'm, tempted, boring. I'm tempted to concede it to you. I, I sort of prefer the AI thing. And uh, you've you've massively poo-pooed by Donald Trump court case suggestion. So, Yeah, yeah I have. Yeah. Because okay. I'm right. Okay. And as the US correspondent of the Right Dishonorable podcast. Okay, I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to let your bullishness win in this case. I guess we have to... Excellent this is, news. Was Excellent it, is news. it 4-2? Four two, yes. yeah, because four two, uh, yeah, uh, excellent. I enjoy. I'm so glad I won. Suggestions. I feel like you generally win, but that's probably because I'm just a, a nicer guy, just more generous with the concessions. Whereas, uh, hey, nice guys finish last. Uh, th- that has literally been true in, in this case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, well, very good. Uh, if people, maybe you should conduct that poll. I don't, I don't know how political your audience is on Instagram, but if you want to conduct a poll with the nominations here, 
you can go and do so and we'll report back mm-hmm. whenever and if you and if you is. and if you fuckers don't vote for my things then i will come and hunt you down uh, well it, it depends how many how many uk millennials follow you who are struggling to get on the housing ladder <laughs> that, that might That's prove true. that might prove key right thanks everybody for a lovely 2023 see you soon in the rest of 2024 yes see you soon toodaloo bye-bye